I want to thank you for joining into our Bible study again this evening, and I want to encourage you to have your Bible and join me in Exodus chapter 4. We began last week a study, really somewhat informally, on generosity, stewardship. And I want to take some studies within Scripture and kind of draw out some biblical principles for us to apply. I think it's possible for us to diminish ourselves. What I mean by that is we can view the gifts that we have as really invaluable. We can view the efforts that we make or even the material gifts that we can give as being small or insignificant. But there are scriptural principles that teach us very clearly that God gives us stuff, whatever that is, gifts of all varieties, and we're stewards of that. We honor him, and then God can take whatever he has given to us and multiply it. He can use it for greater good. We saw in our study of the tabernacle last week that, in effect, no one person could take on the whole task, but individuals doing their part enabled the whole project to be accomplished, and God blessed everybody. It is clear that God can use anyone at any time, and God can use anything to accomplish his work. One of the clear places in Scripture that I see God communicate this principle is in Exodus chapter 4. And if you have your Bibles, you'll note that this is Moses talking to God. After he has had the burning bush moment and the call on his life, we read this in chapter 4. And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. And the Lord said unto him, What is that? In thine hand. And he said, A rod. And he said, Cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses fled from before it. And the Lord said unto Moses, Put forth thine hand, and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand, and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand, that they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob hath appeared unto thee. And the Lord said furthermore unto him, Put now thine hand into thy bosom. And he put his hand into his bosom, and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous as snow. And he said, Put thy hand into thy bosom again. And he put his hand into his bosom again and plucked it out of his bosom, and behold, it was turned again as his other flesh. It shall come to pass, if they will not believe thee, neither hearken to the voice of the first sign, that they will believe the voice of the latter sign. And if it shall come to pass, if they will not believe also these two signs, neither hearken unto thy voice that thou shalt take of the water of the river and pour it upon the dry land, and the water which thou takest out of the river shall become blood upon the dry land. I think this is somewhat of a humorous interaction between Moses and God. Moses reveals his humanity in here. In fact, we can see trepidation. We can hear him make excuses. We hear him diminish his gifts, diminish his abilities, diminish his role. 
I think pointedly we could say he's looking at the wrong thing because he's looking at himself. He's not looking at God. He's not seeing what God sees. And that's, a, that's an important thing. In fact, we watched him make excuses. Really, they're the same excuses that you and I tend to make. He says, I'm a nobody. That's what he clearly says. I'm a nobody. He'll say that working down through. They won't believe me, he says. That's the passage we just read. I'm not good enough. He'll say that. Somebody else probably could do a better job. And I'll address those principles as we work our way through. But he's making excuses that you and I make. He's diminishing what he has in light of what God is asking him to do. I believe that the church is full of people like this. They diminish themselves in light of what God is asking them to do. And we find ourselves more often than not saying no when God has asked something of us. Whether that's a service opportunity, whether that's a financial gift, whether that's something even bigger than either of those two. But God does something here that I want to hone in on. God asks him a question. And God will now use what Moses already has to prove himself to Moses. He asks him this question. What is that in thine hand? What are you holding in your hand? In effect, I want to prove myself to you by what you already have in your hand. Now, that's a seeming innocuous question. What is that in your hand? God of heaven asking Moses, what is in your hand? Now, we can assess as students of the scripture, and this is a basic understanding, that God is not asking for information. He is directing Moses' attention to something. God knows that he has a rod in his hand, and the rod's very telling. When we see that Moses has a rod in his hand, he is referring to his shepherd's staff. Probably a stick that's about six feet long, used in a variety of ways by a shepherd. He would guide the sheep, he'd protect the sheep with that. He would support himself as he moved down through those little sheep trails and up and over hills and through rocky fields. He would lean on it. In fact, if you saw Moses in this setting with that rod in his hand, you'd be able to assess an awful lot about Moses. You'd know what that said about Moses, that you are a shepherd. Here in context, strictly speaking, he's a shepherd of sheep that aren't even his. They don't belong to him. So you can see why Moses might diminish his gift set, might diminish his ability might imagine that somebody could play a bigger part and somebody else could do a better job, but God wasn't asking someone else. God was asking Moses. One author said this, and I think this is important. Perhaps Moses had come to believe that he was worthy of being no more than a shepherd of sheep that didn't belong to him. Like a shepherd's rod, one wrote, we all lean on the things we hold in our hands. We come to depend on the things we hold in our hands. And we can't imagine living life without the things that we hold in our hands. 
We look at the things that we hold in our hands and we see our identity, our possession, and our limitation. We live for those things and we allow them to define our purpose in life and control our spiritual destiny. And that's fact. What we see that we have possession of often identifies it. We see it as that which limits us. God asked Moses, what is in your hand? Not because he needed information, but because he was going to use it for instruction. And I think we could round the corner and maybe say that God was basically saying, what is that in your heart? What is that in your head? What is it that you see and how can I use what you see to show you that I am unlimited, that I am the God of the impossible? Where Moses saw limitations, God saw an opportunity. He said, I'm a nobody. That was one of his excuses. He said back in chapter 3 and verse 10, Come now, therefore, God speaking to him, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, get this, who am I? that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt. Who am I? I'm a nobody. I'm out here shepherding sheep that aren't mine. Now, if I was honest, really, that's a good place to start. Who am I? I'm a nobody. It's a good place to start to be humble, but not to be paralyzed by diminishing ourselves to such a degree that when God asks something of us, we refuse to do it. I think that perhaps God hears Moses say that, and I imagine him saying, well, that's a good start because I want you to know that you must be dependent on me, but God's not going to let him off the hook because God responds in verse 12. He said, certainly, I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. God hears Moses say, I'm nobody. Who am I? I'm nothing. This call, this request is too big for me. And God says, in response to that excuse, I will be with you. And that should have been the end of the conversation. We can say that as students of the Bible, rarely is it the end of the conversation with us. So Moses comes back at God again, and he says in verse 13 of chapter 3, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? Moses is basically saying, I don't exactly know who you are, and I need some answers here. I need more information than I currently have at my disposal. And God said in verse 14, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me to you. In effect, God says, I will go with you. And I want you to be my representative. Now, it isn't that Moses is necessarily looking merely for information. He's in the process of making excuses. So he's still hovering on this idea in the verse that we started with, chapter 4 and verse 1, when he says, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. What if it doesn't work? 
What if I say, I am hath sent me, and they say, yeah, right. They're not going to believe me. Look at me. Who am I? Who am I to go unto Pharaoh? I'm a nobody. Who am I? What if they don't believe me? What if nobody understands why I'm living this life or pursuing this? What if they don't believe? And God says, as we read in those verses now, what is that in your hand? And Moses says, a rod. And then he tells him to take his hand and to tuck it into his garment, and he pulls it out, and his hand is leprous, white as snow. I believe that God teaches us a principle here. God can show himself strong through what we have in our hands. Moses said it's a rod. And God says, cast the rod down. And the rod becomes a serpent, and the Bible's clear. And this is where some of the humor in the interaction is. Moses jumps away from the serpent. I would have done the same. Then, imagine the faith it takes when God says, now reach down and pick it up again. I would not want to touch that serpent, but Moses does by the tail. And I think it's in there so that we can see how nervous he is as he reaches down. And as soon as he touches it, it becomes a rod again. God tells him, take your hand, put it into your garment. He pulls it out. It's leprous, white as snow. And then when he puts his hand back in, he snatches his hand back out hurriedly because he wants to see that his hand is cleaned of the leprosy. God is addressing Moses' concerns by showing him visibly that he can take what Moses has in his hands and do something miraculous with it. Then we read this in verse 10. Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant. I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. Historians believe that Moses had a stuttering problem. And he's coming and he's saying to God, I'm not good enough. My skill set does not match this calling. And again, that's the right thing. To communicate, that's the right heart set because it's not about what you bring to the table. It's about what God can do through you. He's already said to him, when Moses said, who am I? He said, well, I'll go with you. What if they don't believe? Let me show you what I can do with what is in your hand. Well, I'm not good enough. God comes back and he says unto him, who hath made man's mouth? Or who maketh the dumb or deaf or the seeing or the blind? Have not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth and teach thee what thou shalt say. Every time Moses has an excuse, every time he diminishes what he brings to the table, God responds. God responds in effect with, it's about what I can do. It's about who I am. And that's the principle that I really believe is important. By the time we get to verse 13, he says, O my Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of him whom thou wilt send. In effect, he says, please, God, send someone else. Please, God, ask this of someone else. All I have is a rod in my hand tending sheep that aren't mine. I am a nobody. Nobody's going to believe me. My gift set is not good enough, send somebody else. Somebody else would do a better job. Somebody else out there can give more. Somebody else out there can add another zero. Somebody else out there can just do a better job. And God responds, I made you. I made your mouth. 
I gave you your skill set. It's about what I can do with what I've given to you. That's why I note this in verse 17. God's talking about that rod that's in the hand of Moses again. And he says, and thou, you, shalt take this rod in thine hand, wherewith thou shalt do signs. I'm going to show myself through what you have in your hand. Now, I started by saying God can do anything at any time with anyone. That's a fact. We have the problem of faithlessness. That's ultimately what ailed Moses. This is something that I combat. When you hear these excuses, and I know down through the years, if you're a veteran student of the Bible, you've certainly studied this passage. This is nothing new. But we're driving at a biblical principle. We tend, because of faithlessness, to diminish ourselves. And and that's what it is. We take our eyes off of God and we put them on ourselves. We turn our hearts away from what God is asking and we begin to view our limitations. That's why I think some churches lack for servants. Some people just don't think they're needed. Some people just diminish their gift set or their abilities or the fact that they are needed. That's why I think so many Christians miss out on a better life, spiritually speaking, a more blessed existence. Because faithlessly, we hold on to things. We diminish ourselves. We fall short of what God could do if we would open our hearts and open our hands. That's why God says to him, you're going to do this. You're going to take that thing that's in your hand, and I'm going to use that thing that's in your hand. You're going to do signs and wonders. I'm going to do something great with that. Now, here's a simple point as we draw out this scriptural principle. To Moses, that rod in his hand was a limiting identity. I'm a shepherd. That's all I am. Tending sheep that don't belong to me. To Moses, that rod was an implement. It was a tool. It is this that I lead the flock with. It is this that I protect the flock with. It is this that I lean on as I go up and down those narrow pathways and I climb over rocks and I work through wet grass in fields. I lean on this. This is my identity. This is a tool for me. Yet God says, no, I'm going to use what is in your hand to prove myself to you, and I'm going to do more with what is in your hand than you could ever imagine. Now, it's an interesting study to see what God does with that insignificant rod that is in the hand of Moses, one listed for us. This, it was used in Exodus chapter 7 to confront the Egyptian soothsayers, the wizards, the sorcerers. It's used again there to turn the waters of Egypt to blood. And God had already addressed that this would be a sign that Moses would be able to do. In chapter 8, it brings forth the plague of frogs. It shows up again when it brings forth the plague of lice. Again in chapter 9, when it brings forth the plague of hail and that violent storm. It's used to call the east wind that brings the locusts in in chapter 10. It was used to part the Red Sea. Now, you understand what I'm saying when I say it was used. He visibly, 
visually, he would move the rod and God would work through in effect what was in his hand. Parting the Red Sea is pretty significant. It was used when they crossed over in chapter 14 to have the Red Sea come together again, drowning the army of the Egyptians. It was used to bring water out of the rock in the desert, to bring victory over the Amalekites as that battle was going on. He's holding it in the air. Just pause for a second and let this principle soak in. Meditate for just a moment on this reality. I'm nobody. I'm merely a shepherd tending sheep that aren't mine. Honestly, I don't have the proper skill set to carry this out. Nobody's going to buy into it. Nobody's going to believe it. If somebody were to see what I offer, they'll probably laugh. Somebody else can do a better job. Somebody else will fill that role. Somebody else will fill that gap. And when that mindset pervades, work goes undone. And God's work moves forward as we co-labor with him. All of us doing our part, not seeing merely our limitations, but seeing what God can do with what we have in our hand, because that's what he has given us anyway. This principle is timeless. I'm not saying that your gift is going to part seas, but I am saying that God can take what is in your hand and do something with it that you can't imagine. He will show himself Ultimately, it's faithlessness, right? We're looking at ourselves. We're looking at our gifts. We're looking at our limitations. True humility is a great place to start. But when we get to the place where we are excusing ourselves from serving, that's not good humility. That's faithlessness. That's disbelief in God. That listing of the things that God did with a dry stick of wood is really amazing in a mighty way because Moses, simply by faith, yielded it to the Lord. Now, focus on that just for a second. When God said to Moses, throw down the stick, even with all his excuse giving, Moses didn't say, why? He simply threw down the stick, serpent jumps away. The faith he had to carry out to grab, the faith to put the leprous hand back into his garment. He is beginning to take tiny little steps of faith. Now, someday that rod is going to extend over the Red Sea and it's going to part. Someday that rod is going to be held up during a battle with the Amalekites. Someday that rod is going to sweep some plagues in. But it's not the rod and it's not Moses. It's God. It's God showing himself through a dry stick of wood. Had Moses been faithless when God said, now hold it out and I'm going to part the sea, if Moses would have said again, who am I to do this? Nobody's going to believe that that this is going to work. Somebody else could probably engineer and design a better solution to this problem. I am so limited. Every time he used it, it was a step of faith and he's probably remembering this moment here because he yielded it to the Lord. And ultimately, when he yields that stick, that which is in his hand to the Lord, he's yielding his heart, he's yielding himself. Now, the fact is, I don't know what you have in your hand. I don't know what you have in your head. I don't know what you have in your heart. But I know that this is a struggle that I have with the Lord. 
I know that I tend to hold on to things because I lean on those things that are in my hand, and sometimes God knocks and he asks for it. He wants to show himself to me through it. I don't limit God, but I limit what God can do through me by my faithlessness. Generosity and stewardship. All that Moses did was take what God already had in his hand, and he gave it. And God did something bigger than Moses could have ever done with it had he not surrendered it to God. If you're honest, and if I'm honest, man, that's a struggle we live with. We see limitations where God sees opportunity. We see things that are our identity, and we see things that we lean on, and God sees things that he wants to show us himself through, and God wants us to see that he's with us and that he's able Generosity is something. What's in your hand? What's in your heart? What's in your head? Allow God to take what you have and to use it. Serve him selflessly, faithfully give it to him. And watch what God can do when we surrender what's in our hands. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this vivid analogy, this great Bible story that we can learn this eternal principle from. Help us to be faithful. Help us to be humble, but not excuse makers, diminishing what we have and what we offer, realizing that if we'll surrender it to you, you can use us to do great things and it to do great things and show yourself mighty through us. Help us to turn our attention to you and off ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening this week to the Graceway Baptist Church podcast. For more information about our church and our ministries, head on over to our website at gracewaycharlotte.org. We are a church located in South Charlotte. We are growing and our ministries are doing big things for Christ. If you're looking for a way to get plugged into what we're doing, email us at info at gracewaycharlotte.org. Also, stay in the loop with everything happening by following us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle is Graceway Charlotte. Thanks again for listening to the Graceway Charlotte podcast. We'll see you next week.